Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been on an earthquake. We paused last week. But we're, we're getting back into it, and I, I want to remind you, think about what we've covered so far, especially when we were in chapters 6, 7, and 8. The issue is, is that Jesus, through the things that he was teaching and, and the things that were interacting in his, in his life, he, he wants you to understand that all of us have to make a decision about how we're going to respond to him. So now we get to chapter 8, verse 22 on. The writer Luke is going to do something He's going to illustrate a point through three different miracles. We're going to look at the first miracle today. And what he wants to do is this, because when you think about what Jesus was asking before that in chapter 6 through the first part of chapter 8, Jesus is basically saying, you and I have to make a decision about him. We have to decide how we're going to respond to him. Now, a natural question that arises out of it, actually there are two questions, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a couple questions first before we get to the passage. There are two questions that arise out of this whole issue that Luke is trying to really answer for us through these three miracles, and we're going to look at one of them today. The first question is this, who is Jesus that he demands a response? Who is he? I mean, think about it. If you're, you're on, the, on the street, if you're walking about through your average day, and some guy comes up to you, and yeah, he's doing great things, and he, he demands that you respond to him, that you listen to him, and that you act on his, what he says. In our culture, in our day, the natural tendency is to say, well, who are you? Who are you that I need to listen to you? Who are you that you become the authority? Who are you that I need to react to what you're saying? And so this is one of the questions that, that Luke is wanting to answer here is, who is Jesus that he demands a response from us? And you've got to answer that question. Who is he? The second question is, do you have faith or trust in him? This is the other issue that he's going to address today. Is do you have faith or trust in Him. Now, I think this is a key one. We're going to spend a lot of time here today because this really gets to the heart of the matter where people are at today in church. Because if you ask the average person, do you believe in Jesus? Probably everyone here would say, yeah, we believe in Jesus. Right? Am I right? Agree with that? Everybody, yeah, we believe in Jesus. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The rubber meets the road as far as what you believe when trouble comes. Because you could sit there and say, I believe in Jesus. And you could even sit there and say, I love Jesus. But when difficulty comes, I'm going to be honest with you, that's what separates the men from the boys. That's really what, that really is, is really going to determine how much you really believe in Him and how much you trust Him. And let me explain something to you. I've been around a long time now. I've been in ministry a long time. I've pastored a long time. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is what I see happen is when stuff happens, and it does, when a medical report comes that you don't like, when all of a sudden bills happen that you don't like, when marriages fall apart, when relationships fall apart, then all of a sudden the belief in Jesus is chucked out the window because, okay, God, you didn't do what I thought you were going to do. 
And that really determines how much you believe in Him. And see, this is what Luke's trying to answer here. Luke is trying to get us two questions again. Listen to what they are. Who is Jesus that He would demand a response from us? That's a hard question. Because in our individualistic mindset of our culture today, who's anybody to tell me what to do? That's where we're at. And then the reality is, is do you really believe or trust Him? Let me explain something to you. What the Bible says by believe is completely different than what we say by believe. Because the Bible, when it talks about belief, talks about a trust and a commitment to. We think of it as an acknowledgement of facts. And it goes beyond that. So I want you to notice with me the passage. We've looked at these two questions. These are the two questions we're going to try to answer today for you folks. And, And it's my prayer that God will help you go deeper. Because I'm going to be honest with you, as I read this passage, this, this is what was going through my mind. As I was reading this passage and studying for this passage, I thought, man, Lord, you're taking me beyond, personally, as I was reading this, beyond where I've ever saw this passage before. And there's a deeper issue here that Jesus is going to address here, that hopefully he'll address with all of us. And as we address the deeper issue, maybe we'll answer those two questions. Here's, here's read the passage with me, verse 22 through 25. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. What we're going to do is we're going to take this and basically divide it into two sections. We're going to look at the storm. And then we're going to look at Jesus takes action. So let's talk about the storm for a moment. First of all, what we see here in this passage, and you and I can relate to it, is that they faced a sudden, unexpected danger. A sudden, unexpected danger. Let me explain to you. The sea that they're on, the lake that they're on, is called the Sea of Galilee, or, or some, some know it as the Sea of Tiberias. And, and basically... If it's the big lake, if you notice a map there, if you look in your back, if you've got a good Bible, it'll have a map, and you'll see there the, the lake of Tiberias or the lake of Sea of Galilee. And what I want you to know is, is that it's below sea level. The lake itself is below sea level. Now, on the one side of it, which is on the western side, are steep, are steep cliffs that are, are, that are bordered it. And what happens is, is when the airflow from the ocean comes up over, the cool air comes up over those mountains, it will dip down quickly into the bowl, that is that lake area there, and the cool air hits the warm air, and guess what happens, folks? A storm happens. And when the storm rages, all of a sudden what what is a calm sea becomes a perilous sea, a perilous lake. Now, you and I... We can have kind of a frame of reference with that because if you've ever been up to Lake Erie and you've fished on the lake, you know what we're talking about. Because of the nature of Lake Erie is that all of a sudden when a storm comes up, what is a shallow sea 
becomes what? A raging place to be. And this is what's going on here. All of a sudden, they're, they're going across the lake. They're going to a region that they've never gone to before. They're rowing, probably. Maybe sailing a little bit. And all of a sudden, here comes this what? This storm out of nowhere. And before they know it, their boat is filling up with water. They're being tossed around. And they're in a precarious position. That's sort of like life, isn't it? I want you to think about it for a moment. Most of the junk that happens in our life, were you expecting it? No. I mean, if you were expecting it, you'd be what for it? You'd be ready for it, wouldn't you? Somebody told you next week, you know, next week this is going to happen to you. When you're driving down the road, your engine's going to blow. I mean, if, you've, if you're smart enough, you're going to say, well, I'm not going to wait for next week for it to blow. I'm going to have it checked out now. If I need to change the oil, I'll change the oil. If I need to add oil, I'll add oil. If I need to put something in transmission, I'll put something in transmission. If I need to get rid of it and buy a new one, I'll go see a salesperson. But I'm not going to have it blow up on me on the road. You're going to be ready for that, right? Most of the junk that happens in our life that catches us totally by surprise, that are imminent dangers to our life, are what? Things that we don't expect. They come out of nowhere. That's where these folks are at. This is the storm that's going on. And I want you to notice the second thing here, because you've got to think about who's in the boat. Think about who's in the boat. It was beyond their control. Say, so who's in the boat? Think about it. James and John, Peter and Andrew. What do they do for a living, folks? Fishermen. Where do they ply their trade at? Which body of water do they normally which, which body of water do they normally sail on and fish on? Sea of Galilee. I mean, these guys are guys who are on the lake all the time. They know their stuff. And then all of a sudden, they're facing a situation that really they don't know what to do with. It's out of their control. And guess what they do? They panic. They panic. In fact, that's the next point I want you to see here. Is what I want you to see here is, folks, look at this. They were frantic. You know, language can only convey itself in a certain way. So I want you to notice with me, because you can read this and just kind of blow over it, but I want you to notice what it says. Verse 24, and they, you know, Jesus, first of all, he's asleep in the boat. Now, how does somebody sleep through a storm? You've got to remember something. Let's put everything in perspective. The other Gospels tell us that he was just with a bunch of people teaching and healing, so he's exhausted. He lays in a boat. He's out. He's asleep. He's probably sleeping soundly. This is going on. They're frantic, and look at verse 24. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. They're frantic. They don't know what to do. Have you been there? I've been there. When things go completely out of whack, you didn't expect it. It's like, am I going to get through this? You can't even breathe. And you cry out to God, God, I need you. God, help me. God, what do I need to do? God, I need you. Right now. Right now. And it's unbelievable. It's totally out of your control. And let's be honest. We don't like being there, do we, folks? Because here's the thing. We're all control freaks, aren't we? We, we like to joke with each other about it's all about you. And, but the reality is, is we're all control freaks. We want to control every circumstance in our life because we want to protect ourselves. And here they are. They're in a dangerous situation. It's out of their control, and they get what? Frantic. They're frantic. 
That's the storm. We can relate to him, can't we? Now, in the midst of this, Jesus takes action. Look with me. It says, so they woke him up, verse 24. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was calm. Here's what it says. First of all, Jesus had authority over nature. Jesus had authority over nature. I don't know anybody who can do that, but he did. I mean, I mean, think about it. He wakes up. He probably shakes himself awake. He hears their franticness, and then he gets up, and he just, all he does is rebuke. He rebukes the waves. He rebukes the sea. And they immediately cease. That's got to blow your mind. Now, remember the first question I was asking you? The first question that Luke wants us to struggle with, this is why he's showing us the miracle here, is who is this Jesus that he demands a response from us? Here's what Luke is trying to show us. This Jesus who demands a response from you is one who can speak to nature, and it ceases its activities. Do you know anybody else like that? I don't. I mean, the other day, you know what? I was wishing I could do what Jesus did. A lot of you had water in your basement, and... We got water in ours, and it kept, and work was coming in than going out, so I had to go buy another sump pump to get the stuff out of the basement before it got to the heaters. And believe me, I was thinking, stop the rain, Lord. Let it be snow. Stop the rain. Did it immediately stop when I say that? No. But my friend Jesus, he spoke. It happened immediately. This is what I want you to understand. The one who demands a response from you is the one who can speak to nature and it ceases its activities. How can he do that? The Bible very clearly tells us that he's the one who created it. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. The other thing I want you to see is, is that, okay, so he makes everything stop. So Jesus, he turns around and he's got all these frantic guys there and they're probably like, oh. And then here's what he says. Then the first thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth that the writer records for us is this. Look at what he says, verse 25. And he said to them, where is your faith? Here's what's going on. Jesus questions their trust. See, remember I told you that what we talk about as belief is different from what the Bible talks about as belief? Our definition of belief is is that we believe in it. We have a mental ascension. We, we, we agree with the facts that Jesus lived, that we have facts in our mind that we believe in. But, but Jesus is wanting us to go beyond what we believe in our mind to what we believe with our heart. And see, believing is not enough. Because, you know, James will say the demons believe and tremble, but, you know, they're still doing their thing. Jesus is questioning their trust. I mean, if you were with those guys that day, before when they launched out into the, before they launched out into the sea, if you were with them and you would say to James and John and Peter and the boys and you would say to them, "Hey, do you believe Jesus can do miracles?" They could probably tell you what Jesus did that day or last week. They could probably say, "Yeah, we've seen him raise the dead. We've seen him make the lame walk. We've seen him heal the blind. We've seen the leper cleansed." They saw a lot of the, do they believe Jesus could do miracles? Yes. Now they're in a boat and a problem comes up and they're getting ready to be swamped and it's like, oh, Jesus. And he's sleeping. First of all, he's sleeping. Doesn't that tick you off when it seems like God's sleeping? 
So they wake him up. Master, Master, we're going And Jesus, immediately everything stops. And here's what he says. Where's your trust? See, he's not asking them, where's your belief? Because they believe he can do stuff. The issue that he's asking them is, in spite of what all's going on, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Folks, that's the question he's asking us. This is what Luke is wanting us to think about. Who is he that demands a response? He's the guy who can calm nature down. Who is he? He's Jesus, the Creator, God. Who is he? Do you trust him? When all else seems out of whack, when all else seems spiraling out of control, and there doesn't seem to be any hope for anything to happen the way you want it to happen, do you still trust God? Do you still trust Him? See, this is the hang-up. You know what? I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen many times. We can say, yeah, I trust Him, I trust Him. But when the rubber meets the road and something difficult happens, when a loved one is stricken sick, when a loved one dies, when, when problems difficult and things disintegrate and all kinds of problems happen and the job you had that you thought you were secure with, all of a sudden you got a pink slip and they said, I'm sorry, and you can't find another job. And you begin to wonder and you begin to question, well, God, I love you. God, you're, you're, I'm there for you, God, but why aren't you there for me, God? And then you get angry. See, all that stuff reveals where your trust is. What God is calling us to, this is, this is where I was talking about going deep because I was looking at this and I thought, man, Lord, this is deep. The question he kept asking me is, George, even in the midst of everything going wrong, are you still going to trust me? Even if it never turns out the way you want it to turn out, are you going to trust me? See, that's what God's asking. See, we like to live with this utopian thinking, with this, with this, I think it's a wrong type of thinking, that things to think that, okay, as long as I follow Jesus, everything's going to work out good. In fact, we've got a Bible verse for that. Romans chapter 8, for we know that all things work together for the good for those who are called Called by God. So everything's going to work out. I've got a Bible verse. What God is saying is this. Look, everything's not going to work out okay. You live in a fallen world. You live in a world where junk happens. You live in a world where terrible things happen. And, and you live in a world where, where it is wrecked by sin and there is suffering and there is misery. And what you expect to happen may not happen. Are you still going to trust me? Are you still going to trust me? This is what he's asking to those guys. It's like, guys, you're frantic, you're out of control. Where's your faith? Do you trust me? That's a deep question, isn't it? See, that goes beyond. You know, here's the thing. This is, it's the kind of question you can't respond to immediately. Because most questions that we have at church is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe. Oh, yeah, I trust. Yeah. This is not one of those questions. This is a chew-on question. You know what I mean by chew-on? Like a cow. You know, you know, he's got four stomachs for a reason because he's constantly chewing things and swallowing it, chewing it back. I mean, he's digesting it. He's thinking on it. And we need to chew the cud on this thought for a moment. Am I going to trust him if everything else goes wrong? See, this is what... This is what, where God is calling us to. He's calling us to a place where we would say, God, you are my supreme treasure. I may lose all else, but I still have you. That's what putting God first is. And so he asks the question. He questions their trust. You know, I, I came up with this definition of faith. 
couple of years ago, and I'll repeat it to you. Here's what faith is. You may, you want, if you want to, you want to write it down. I'll, I'll say it to you a couple of times. Faith is a belief in, a trust in, and a commitment to. I'll, I'll say this again. Faith is a belief in, a trust in, and a commitment to. Okay, here's the second part. The revealed Word of God. Faith is a belief in, a trust in, and a commitment to the revealed Word of God. Now here's the third part. Here's the rubber meets the road. In spite of hindrances, obstacles, and circumstances that seem otherwise. In spite of hindrances, obstacles, and circumstances that seem otherwise. I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. I'm going to believe in you, Jesus. I'm going to be committed to you, Jesus, in spite of everything else. Because I have faith in you. That's what he's saying here. So do you trust him? That's what Jesus is asking them. And so then that raises the big question then. Look at me, the third point there. Look at the last part of verse 25. And they were afraid and marveled. Of course they would be. I mean, think about it. I mean, if you're in the midst of a raging storm, water's coming into the boat, boat's almost being sick, and it's like, wow, big storm. And you wake Jesus up, he gets up, just says, stop it. Everything. I mean, he just rebukes it. And it stops, and all of a sudden it's peaceful, the sun's out, birds are chirping. Wouldn't you be freaked out? They were afraid, and it said they marveled. Why? Because they're like, man, who are we with? Look at what it says there. They struggled with who he is. They struggled with who he is. Look, look at what it says there. Saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds of the water and they obey him. Listen, I'm going to explain to you. I'm going to help you understand why they struggled with who he is. Remember now, they're Jewish. They're devout Jews. And we know that from reading about different things through the New Testament about their lives. They, they very much believe in God. They want to serve God. So they very much know the scriptures. And one of the things that the Jews understood from the Old Testament is this. That the sea in the Old Testament was often pictured as a place of chaos. It was a place where often the motif in the Old Testament of the water was is that it was out of control. And in the Old Testament, very clearly in several different passages... The scripture very clearly says that this place of chaos, this, this, this sea, the place of, of turmoil, of being out of control, there was only one who could control it from the Old Testament. That was God. That would be in their minds. The Psalms refer to it. The law refers to it. They would know that. And so there they are in the midst of the chaos of the sea. One stands in their midst. And he speaks the word. It stops. And in their mind, they're realizing there's only one who can do that. God. That's what the scriptures say. Who is this guy? See, they're struggling with who he is. See, this goes back to that first question again. Who is he that he demands that I respond to him? This is what Luke is trying to show us, folks. He's trying to show us that this is not just some ordinary guy. This is God. He's God. You and I need to wrestle with that. It needs to impact us. 
Is he who he says he is? And if he is who he says he is, then that really then raises the next question. Do I trust him in spite of all that happens? That's the reality. This is what Luke is trying to communicate to us. He said, okay, George, how do, how do we apply this to our lives? I've got three thoughts for you. First one's a question. Have you come to grips with who Jesus is? Have you come to grips with who Jesus is? Listen, this is really the point of the whole gospel. We're, this is really the point of Earthwalk as we go through the gospel of Luke. Luke is trying through his narration in this gospel. He's trying to bring us to a point where we recognize who Jesus is and we respond to him. So we, we really need to get beyond the mamsy-pamsy way of looking at him that we have in the church. You say, how can you say that, George? Because I believe in Jesus. Well, let's look at the way we live our lives. If we really believed in Jesus as for who he really is, it would impact the way we live our lives. And the reality is that the way we live our lives is just the way everybody else lives their lives who don't believe in Jesus. Except that we come to church. Have you, has it really gripped you who Jesus is? Has it really gripped you what he's done for you, what he did for you? This is the reality. This is what Luke is trying to communicate to us. He wants us to understand the reality of Jesus Christ. This is what Luke is trying to do. He's trying to answer us in these everyday questions that we face in our everyday lives. He's trying to get us to come to grips. Who is this Jesus that he demands a response from us? He's God. He's in control of nature. Do you trust him? Even when all things seem like they're going upside down and they never turn out right, do you trust him? Have you come to grips with him? So that really brings up the next point. Do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus? And again, let me remind you, that is not something you can enter into lightly and say, oh yeah, I trust him. That's just presumption. What do you mean that's presumption, George? Not for a moment. You don't know what's coming down the pike. You don't know what you're going to face as a family. See, this is what I'm saying. It's deep. This is not a question you can answer immediately. This is a question you've got to ponder on. You've got to think on. This is a question that has to be developed in your life through a relationship with Him. God, do I trust you? Do I trust you? When the rubber meets the road, am I going to trust you? God, help me to trust you when the rubber meets the road. Believe me, folks, and the rubber will meet the road, won't it? And then finally, here's the reality. Embrace Jesus. Embrace Him. He is who He says He is. And even though everything in this world may turn itself upside down, in fact, it may not turn out the way it's supposed to turn out. But I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm going to embrace you. Because the one thing is for sure, you are who you say you are. And you've promised what you've promised. And I'm going to trust you. Embrace Him. Take that step and embrace Him. That's what He's calling us to. Something, And when you do that, your life will show it. Because it will be real. It will be real. You know, you know what I'm saying? It will be real. You'll be real. When you really embrace Him, when you really trust Him, in the midst of the stuff that's going on, you'll be real. And that's really what we want, isn't it? We don't want to be fake and plastic, because that's what you find in churches. We want to be real, because even in spite of everything going wrong, Our hope is Jesus. Where are you at? 
He's calling us to go deep, isn't he? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.